This is Rabbi Barry Gelman, and welcome to the other RBG on the weekly Parsha. Parsha Teruma, when referring to the ornamental crown around the top of the table and the altar in the Mishkan, the Torah says that the crown was for it, the Hebrew word lo. On the other hand, when referring to the ornamental crown on the Ark, on the Aron Kodesh, the Torah says that the crown was on it, alav. Considering that these three crowns were very similar, the different language used to describe the crown placement is noteworthy. Rabbi Bachya ben Asher offers a fascinating suggestion that speaks to one of the most important and fundamental ideas in all of Judaism. He explains that the table represents the crown of monarchy and that the altar represents the crown of priesthood, kihuna. Both of those are hereditary, and so the language of for it is used as that implies that those crowns are integral to the table as the position is integral to those who hold them. On the other hand, the crown of Torah is not hereditary. It must be earned. As such, the language of on it, alav, is used. Alav indicates that the crown of Torah will be placed on the head of the scholar only after expertise is achieved. I like this idea as it reminds me of the democratic nature of Torah. Conceptually, there is nothing keeping anyone from acquiring Torah knowledge. Rambam Maimonides makes this very point exquisitely. He writes, the people of Israel were crowned with three crowns, the crown of Torah, the crown of priesthood, and the crown of monarchy. The crown of priesthood was acquired by Aaron. The crown of sovereignty was acquired by David. But the crown of Torah, behold, there it lies ready within the grasp of all Israel. Even as it is said, Moses commanded us a law and inheritance of the congregation of Yaakov. Whoever wants it may come and take it. The notion of knowledge being available to all is not only a nice sentiment, but it became part of Jewish community policy as described by the Gemara. Yoshua ben Gamla came and instituted an ordinance that teachers of children should be established in each and every province and in each and every town, and they would bring the children in to learn at the age of six and seven, says the Gemara in Masechet Bavabatra. This was not always a given, as we see here in another passage from the Talmud. The school of Shammai said, A master should teach only those who are wise, modest, of good family, wealthy, whereas the school of Hillel said, He should teach everyone. For many sinners in Israel have in this way been brought near the study of Torah, and from them issued righteous, pious, and worthy people. Rabbi Soloveitchik notes that Beit Shammai believed that the Torah must remain the exclusive property of a select few who possess moral excellence, intellectual ability, good upbringing. Beit Hillel disagreed and demanded an educational system accessible to all. Make the Torah the common good of all people. The promulgated a democratic and exoteric educational philosophy. I had a Hebrew teacher in high school who had a unique and memorable way to remind his students of this idea. He would remind us that all we needed to do to excel in our studies was tuchus work, 
Tuchus being the Yiddish word for one's backside. That is, sit and study. The Talmud records that Rabbi, that Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah was named head of the academy. He removed the guards that his predecessor had brought in. And on that day, 700 benches were added to the study hall. It always amused me how my Hebrew teacher was able to portray this deep religious and social ideal in such a pithy phrase. But regardless if one prefers my teacher's simple illustration or Rabbi Soloveitchik's eloquent phrasing, the message is profoundly beautiful. Torah and Jewish tradition are for all of us. The challenge raised by this idea to agencies, synagogues, and families is profound. Are we creating a Jewish life that is accessible, meaningful, and compelling? Or are there still guards at the door? The opportunity is equally profound. If, like Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah, we create a welcoming atmosphere, assume those coming to our doors are sincerely searching for community, love, Torah, and fellowship, and have valuable contributions to make by their presence, then the impact we can have on their lives and ours will be deep, everlasting, and life-altering. Shabbat Shalom. I will put more references to the notion of the democratization of Torah study in the show notes. Thanks for listening.